Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Christian. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you hear me cough or sound a little off today, I'm getting over being sick. And also, it's 420. Glaze it. Or some shit like that. I don't know. That's when we're recording this. I'm as sober as a canary. Anyway, thank you for listening. And always like to put the disclaimer out there. If you or someone you know does music, art, photography, film, anything of the creative realm that's interesting and would like to come on the show, shoot me a message. Hit me up. I love meeting new people. I love having familiar faces on that I already know. There's plenty of amazing stories out there with creators that should be broadcasted, should be talked about. And that's what we do here. And just want to express my sincerest gratitude or some shit like that for joining us today. So with all that hoopla out of the way, ooey gooey bullshit, let's get into today's guest. Today, we are joined by a friend of mine, the one, the only, Matt Lemming. What's up, bud? What up? I also apologize if I sound like shit because I'm dealing with allergies right now. (laughs) That's what got me. It was between the forest fire and Lake Cursed and allergies and 80 degree weather hitting out of nowhere in one day last week. Dude. The shit I've been coughing up. Oh, my God. Bro, I, I feel you. I've been coughing shit up that is all sorts of different colors right now, and it's it's bad. <laughs> it's. I'm hoping this is close to the end of it. And, you Same. know, getting it all out now, once summer hits and everything, it's not as bad. But who the fuck knows in this area? I hate the tri-state ter- sometimes. Oh, yeah. No, I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> So Matt Lemming is a guitarist. And then these are the terms that I don't know shit about and always fuck up. I know you record. So I guess you mm-hmm. would say you're a producer, mixer, engineer. Um, I mostly use the term engineer. I would say it's um I don't really like to, I don't really like the term producer that much just because of like the original terminology behind that is like you're helping write the music and arrange it and everything. And I'm more of the guy who just sets up the microphones and hits record. All right. That's one yeah, thing. Yeah, I that... try not to I try not to fuck with the bands basically and let them do their thing. That's one thing that I I always fuck up when it comes to stuff like that. I'm like, all right, what the hell's what? They 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 recorded it's... the music, you know? Honestly, <laughs> like these days, the terms have become so like like the terms don't really mean that much as they used to anymore like pretty much there's so much crossover these days it's very hard to define it it's really up to whatever they want whatever you want to call yourself basically to put it simple he makes gold fucking records all right (laughs) i don't know about all that but thank you (laughs) you're welcome now you you are a master of your craft so let's let's get down to everything let's start from the beginning what um all right what pushed you like to get into music and start playing guitar and want to record and all that? Well, um, I guess I picked up guitar a little bit late. I think for a lot of people, I picked up guitar right around the time I was 16 years old. Um, I was in high school and I had started to like, you know, get into music and stuff like that. At the time I was listening to like, um, like my family kind of raised me on like, old school hard rock and heavy metal type of shit like my like my parents are like 
big Metallica, Ozzy, Black Sabbath fans, Led Zeppelin, shit like that. So I grew up with that shit always being played around me. Um, so that sort of informed my original music tastes. And then in high school, I gradually started to get into sort of find my own thing, which was, you know, I got really into stuff like black metal, uh, thrash, uh, hardcore punk, cross punk, um, goth rock, post punk, shit like that. You'll probably notice that like me and your previous guest and my bandmate Jacob have, we have very similar record collections. They're almost identical, (laughs) but, um, uh, I guess just, I started listening to all this music and when I, I was really into metal when I was a kid and I wanted to do it, but I was like, man, these guys can play so fucking great. And I don't know if I can ever measure up to this. But then I got into punk and I realized, fuck, these guys only know three chords. I can learn three (laughs) chords. So that was what sort of, I guess, started it up. And I picked up guitar around that age and have, uh, I took lessons for about a month. And after that, I sort of just kind of was self-taught the rest of the way. I feel like that's the best way. Like my niece right now, she's learning a uh, violin and like she, she did lessons for about a month. And then at her birthday party, my brother's like, yeah. So, uh, Ava isn't taking violin lessons anymore. She loves mm-hmm. violin, wants to keep playing violin, but says she hates the lessons and she'll learn on her own. And my heart yep. just. It's like, great. Oh, it's it's good though because it's like i i feel like that's how you really find your own voice with music and stuff you learn the basics and then you just consume so much oh, influence no. from everywhere a hundred percent like for me that's basically that was sort of how i started with recording too is that like you know i took like you know some courses in college and everything but most of the knowledge that i have like i learned the basics And then everything else I learned on my own through like, you know, just watching other like, you know, looking up videos and interviews with other engineers that I um, respect and shit like that. And it was the same thing with guitar. I took basic lessons just to learn how to put my hands on the thing and then just went from there. And we'll we'll get more in depth about like the recording and stuff, of course, too, because it's like finding you know, your voice, your craft, your style, guitar playing with mm-hmm. recording. I mean, shit, I've recorded in this very bedroom drums with you, then in a fucking basement in Long Branch with you. And you've recorded in bedrooms, other basements, living rooms. Yep. And exactly. So, so you really harnessed the craft. And we'll, we'll definitely dive more into that and what you did. But uh, we'll stick. We'll stick with the guitar for a little Mm-hmm. Now, do you remember like the first song you learned on guitar? So the first song I learned. So when I first started learning a guitar, um, my very first guitar was this. Um, uh, it's this Martin. They call it a backpacker guitar. It's an acoustic guitar that's very, it's very oddly shaped. Um, it's almost, it almost looks like a shovel. That's the best way I can describe <laughs> it. Um, my grandfather had gifted it to me because um, my dad um had told my grandfather he's like hey you know matt's getting into guitar and i know that my grandfather's really big in the country and bluegrass and stuff like that and he had a couple of guitars um he'd sold off a bunch of them but he had a few still kicking around and he gave one to me and said like if you like just learn on this here's how you can get your start um 
but I think the first song that I ever learned how to play, like I started out just learning like riffs, like parts of songs, like bands I admired at the time, like Bauhaus, Misfits, uh, Black Flag riffs, shit like that. Um, but the first song I ever learned how to play from front to back was the song Mother of Mercy by Sam Hain, which I feel like definitely very much informed like the type of my playing style and everything, because it was uh, there's only um, two parts to the song. Like there's only two like chord progressions and you just keep the same shape the whole time, the same power chord shape. So I'm like, oh, this is easy. So it was the perfect first song. So if anyone here wants to learn how to play guitar, learn how to play Mother of Mercy by Sam Hain. You only got to learn one chord shape and it's the whole fucking song. It's great. And then you just got to watch out for the third part where after you learn the song, you get hit with a cease and desist, even if you're not recording it. Exactly. It sucks. <laughs> you got to be careful. Anything Glenn Danzig related, just make sure you don't just make sure no one sees you playing it. Yeah, this right here is putting us on the break. <laughs> we're, we're on his list right now. <laughs> Just mentioning say, the so name. I'm, I'm waiting for him to bust through my window any minute now. He's like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yeah, he's like the cool. Yeah, he's like the big Kool-Aid man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So I know you said uh, like you got into guitar late, like 16. Uh, mm -hmm. Recording was around like the same time and stuff like or record. So recording came a little bit after that. Um, obviously, like most people, when you start learning how to play an instrument and you get decent enough at it, you're like, well, now I got to start a band. Um, and originally, my very first band, like my first serious band, like the first band I ever played live with was with you guys, Hateful Scarecrows. But um, I had attempted to start a couple of bands when I was younger with some friends of mine who... In the traditional punk rock fashion, I just found friends who didn't know how to play instruments and was like, fuck it, you'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> um, and me, my buddy Neil, I got to give a shout out to my boy Neil, who moved out west a couple years ago. Uh, he's like a little brother to me. He was on the drums. And my one buddy, Ian, um, who, I'm, who I'm still very good friends with, we're actually going uh, record shopping this weekend for Record Store Day. I recruited him as the lead vocalist because he wanted to start a horror punk band. And I was like, fuck it, I'm down. So we would just jam in. I was living in like a punk house at the time in my hometown. So we would just jam in the basement on like Misfits covers and like one or two originals. Um, we never made it to we never made it to playing live. It never got past that point. We were we were that great at our instruments, to be honest. <laughs> um, but so I got into recording because I was. Um, I just started to take an interest in production and everything. And I wanted to learn, like, how does a record get made? Like, what's the process behind this? So I looked up, like, recording interfaces, how to do at-home recording and stuff like that. And um, I think I remember the very first song I ever recorded was, um, again, risking Glenn Danzig busting through the window, <laughs> a, um, a cover of the song Halloween by the Misfits. And... Um, I learned how to program drums and I learned how to do some basic recording using like software amps and shit like that. Um, and I like did all the instruments myself. I even played the bass on um, a bass that I had found dumpster diving in, at a house right around the corner from that punk house that I lived at. I found an electric bass sticking out of the garbage and was like, Ooh, that's mine now. How's a bass make it? How's a, how's a bass survive in the garbage around the corner from a punk house? Like, I feel like, 
that's something you would sniff out <laughs> in a punk house. It, like, yeah. did someone just throw out an instrument nearby? Yeah, but uh, no, like a friend of my, uh, one of the people I was living with, my friend Brianna, um, she um, she was the one who uh, based, uh, she lived in the house with her mom and she had uh, trash picked some like dressers from there. And she texted me one day saying, hey, I think I saw like a couple of guitars poking out of the garbage can. So I was like, oh, word. So I drove over there at like fucking midnight and saw like and found them. I just grabbed the bag, threw it in my trunk and was like, fuck it. We'll figure out what's in it when we get back. Um, so we get home and I open it up and I had found, I think, three or four acoustic guitars and an electric bass. Holy shit. Um, yep. One of the acoustics I gave to an old friend of mine. One of them was pretty wrecked, so we just it just wasn't salvageable. The other acoustic I still have, it's sitting over there in the corner, and it's honestly kind of sounds like shit. Um, <laughs> and the electric bass, which I unfortunately don't have anymore. Once I got a new one, I gave it to a friend of mine because he wanted to learn how to play bass, and then he quit after two weeks, and I never got the bass back. <laughs> was it Spike? <laughs> it was, No, surprisingly, it wasn't Spike. Uh, Spike's gotten a bassist from everyone. Shout out Spike. First Spike on the podcast. <laughs> Is this Love the you, first Spike, time you referenced listening. Spike? He might have been referenced on Jacobs. I forget. but He, he might have. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. <laughs> I don't know. See, that's a that's the thing with Jake. It was like Jacob so much was like talked about so many different cast of characters that it's like I, I kind of go numb to like the people mentioned now because it's like there's so many stories with so many people. I forget what shit I tell. Oh, what I don't. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. No, definitely. Potential first spike sighting. There you go, bud. Yeah. Shout out to Spike. We love you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so. um. Uh, that was how I started getting into recording. And I started taking classes at my local college because I was going to college at the time. I had originally went in um, on uh, majoring in journalism. And one day when I was like talking with like a guidance counselor or something, I was like, I wasn't really feeling the journalism thing anymore. And I just out of the blue, I asked like, do we offer like any like recording classes or anything? And she's like, yeah, we do. And I was like, I'm going to switch my major to that. Um, which, uh, just a heads up for anyone listening, uh, it's not a good career move. You're not going to make much money off of it, but it's fun. <laughs> um, but so I started doing that. I started taking classes and it taught me the basics. Um, my teacher was great because, um, he was like a lot of the kids that we were in my class, they were more of like, I guess, part of like, um, uh, I guess like the current generation's music, like a lot of them were into like rap and hip hop and stuff like that or like more modern day, like rock and indie shit. And my um, professor, he was, um, he was a cool fucking dude. His name was Jason Ruck. Um, he's worked out with some pretty big bands. He used to like tour with like fucking Fear Factory, Marilyn Manson, Damn. Typo Negative, shit like that. Um, but yeah, and so he was into like all like the old school metal and punk and goth bands and shit. So me and him would bond over that. Like, I used to hang out, out, like, even after class was over, me and him would just hang out in the room, like, just, like, fucking shooting the shit about, like, all the bands we liked and shit for, like, an hour plus after class let out. He was great. Um, but, so, he sort of, he's, like, I learned the basics from him. Like, I learned, like, how to get a session going, uh, like, how to, like, like, use shit like an EQ and stuff like that. Like, I learned, like, the fundamentals from him. And then after I graduated school, I sort of just taught myself everything else through, like, you know, uh, the world's greatest teachers, uh, Google and YouTube. 
<laughs> um, they are and great. Also, just like also just like trial by fire, like um, like working with working on my own stuff, um, working with my our friends in the looms, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that whole thing later, and working with you guys, which. Uh, funnily enough, that room you're sitting in right now, that was the very first time I ever recorded drums was when I was, was when we did it the was. drums in your room. That it was, was. The very, yep. That was the very first time I'd ever recorded drums was in that bedroom you're sitting in right now. <laughs> on that drums chair uh, that yep, is, on, I'm not sitting on. <laughs> yep. On that very same, that drum kit right there in the corner. <laughs> that, that drum set that's been put through hell. <laughs> I forgot that that was the first time you tracked drums because yeah, th the first like release release that you tracked was the Looms EP. Yes. The, yep. That was the very first record that, uh, that ever came out that like had my name on it. Um, I've been like recording my own demos and shit of like, you know, songs that I've been writing, but nothing that uh, the looms was the very first thing I ever did that actually like made it to the finish line. Now, all right, we'll, 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 we'll dive into the looms now. I, we'll we'll kind of just do it hand in hand with guitar and uh, like recording and everything. Cause it's, it seems all like right. the timelines laying out pretty well to all go right. through everything. So the looms, you record their EP. How um, how did that kind of come about? And what was it like recording a fucking washboard? <laughs> okay, so um, my story with the Looms goes back to when I was in college. Um, the one of the singers and banjo slash guitar player in the Looms, uh, a Mister Jimmy Tolbert. Um, he I met him in college. Like we'd seen each other here and there. Like. Um, anytime between classes, I hung out with a crew of people in the student lounge, like just shooting pool all day. And every once in a while, I'd see Jimmy there. And like, we both like would wear like, you know, like our fucking battle jackets and shit. So there was that mutual respect of, yo, we like the same type of like music, like we're in the punk and shit like that. Um, so we kind of knew each other. We didn't really hang out that much. It was more like acquaintance thing. And then like one day out of the blue, I was sitting at home and I get a text from Jimmy, um, saying, uh hey my band the looms is playing a show tonight at the spot called club germ uh would you want to come out and i looked at, and he sends me the address and i look it up and it was like half an hour away so i was like oh fuck it i'll come check it out so i go see them play the show at uh club germ which was an amazing fucking diy venue which was run by um our old my old friends in this band called break light I got to give a shout out to them, especially my boy, Casey, who's like one of my best fucking friends in the world. Um, but anyway, so I start. So I go see them play the show and it was a great show. I'm like, you know, I'd never listened to folk punk before. I like kind of knew of it, but I never like actually listened to it before. And it was a fun show. Um, I got to meet like, you know, the rest of the guys in the looms. Uh, and then after that, we just started hanging out like they started inviting me out to just come hang, have lunch and everything. And they mentioned that they were in the middle of working on a demo. And um, Jimmy had known that I worked on that I was a recording major. And they asked, like, I originally offered saying, like, I didn't offer to record them. I basically said, like, hey, if you guys like want any like, you know, pointers or anything or need any advice, like, you know, let me know. I can probably help you out a little bit here and there. And then eventually it just turned into they started talking amongst themselves and they hit me up one day and said, hey, would you just want to like do the recording and the mixing and everything? Like, do you just want to like be like our guy in the chair, basically? 
So I was like, yeah, sure. I would love to. So that was how I got started. Um, and it was very rudimentary. Like it was very new for both of us because I had never recorded a band before. And, um, all the other members of the looms had had experience recording in other bands before, but, um, from what I gathered, they, they never really had the best experiences working in like more professional studios. And so they really wanted to do it more like DIY. We recorded everything in a clot in uh, my fucking closet. Like I would like fucking throw blankets over the doors and shit. <laughs> um, and oh, like, you I know, can like, imagine trying, how like, sweaty that got. Oh, it got very sweaty. Um, they'd have to like, it was rigged up in a way. It was almost like a fucking tent built around the closet. And they'd have to like crawl out of it anytime they were done with the take. There's just a banjo um, popping out a washboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That type of shit. Um, and it was interesting for me too recording that type of music because like I said, like, you know, I'd grown up with like heavier music, like, you know, like obviously shit like, you know, cross pong, DD and shit like that. Um, and now I'm doing like all this acoustic shit. Like if you had told me it's like the very first band I recorded, I was going to have to learn how to record a fucking washboard and a banjo. I would have been like, get the fuck out of here. No fucking way. <laughs> um, and I was even like doing shit. Like how the fuck do you do this shit? Like I was looking up like how, like how the hell do you record a washboard, which, and like, you know, you search that on Google, there's like maybe one page on a forum and everyone pretty much said like, just put the mic in front of it. It's not that hard. <laughs> Believe it or not, washboard is actually incredibly easy to record. It's literally as simple as just put the fucking mic in front of the washboard. You don't got to do anything crazy. It's actually a very, it, I was, it's a very easy instrument to record, very easy instrument to mix. It's, it's fun. Washboard is a fun instrument to record. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause at the end of the day, it is played as a percussive like instrument. So it's like, just like drums really you know you have like room mics and stuff it's same it's it same is kind it's of like, thing. it is it's the same basic principle it's a lot easier with washboard because unlike you know uh especially your drum kit with like 50 million fucking things on it it's not that big <laughs> it's is mainly the fire symbols is, is the fire station bell still on there oh yeah oh yeah oh thank god the drum uh, set hasn't that. changed i just added uh uh yellow and black like uh caution tape that i got from my proton pack that i'm modding i put it around the hoops so now oh, it's that's, now that's it's a little sick. more done up <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah <laughs> um but yeah like so we started work on that record it took us about so working with the looms was interesting because you would think for like a band that is like you know like a folk punk band well, folk punk has this reputation of being like, you know, very sloppy, like very homemade and everything. You know, the guys in the looms are so, you know, they're so oh, yeah. fucking particular about how they want shit. Like, it's like recording a prog band, <laughs> like where like everything needs to line up, like just fucking right. It was like, I'm not going to lie. There's definitely, and even the looms will attest, there were some days where it would get pretty frustrating trying to work with how they wanted things. But it was also very challenging. And it's also as frustrating as it can get sometimes. It's great to work with people like that because you can tell that they're taking it seriously. Yeah. Like, they're not trying to phone it in. Like, they want to have, like, they want the record to be as great as it can be um and it's really cool to see people that are so committed to wanting 
I guess really just wanting to make sure that they're putting out like the best possible thing that they're able to do in that moment. There are still some days where I think they took it a little too far. I would always <laughs> tell them like, listen, listen, like done is always better than perfect. But uh, especially since their last record, um, I did, I've done two. So I've done two records at the looms. I did their first EP healthy dose. Um, and I did their, well, I did the first EP, uh, the solidarity single, and I did their most recent full-length Ashes of the Old. Ashes of the Old took two years to do. For a DIY band, that's fucking long. Yeah. <laughs> like, gra- granted, a lot of shit happened during that record. Like, we recorded it right when COVID, like, right before COVID started. So COVID fucked everything up. Um, I had to move twice during the making of the record. Uh, like, that whole thing was just, I'm going to be honest, that record is a fucking nightmare to make. But... I'd like to think the end product was pretty good, so I can't really complain. That's all that matters, the end product. And I mean, it is great. So it's that the mission was accomplished. And as you said, with the shit in the way with it, I, trying to record anything during that time is just like the, the lengths people went to. Like previous, oh, yeah. a dude I had on a few episodes ago, Tommy Rats, he recorded uh, an EP for uh, his friends. And his friend had bad asthma, so he didn't want to be in the studio. So he mm-hmm. actually he had the drummer in the studio and he got like a receiver thing for like the drive in how they have it. And oh, he, yeah. And he sent it out to the car of the guitarist and the car of the bass player with lines running Holy to the cars. Shit. And they recorded the bass and the guitar in separate vehicles outside. That is that's <laughs> fucking awesome. I, I thought you would appreciate that. No one, no, like that. You do things, shit. <laughs> but yeah, it's like during COVID though. It's like that's the lengths. Like you kind of had to go to with it. So it's that two years. You could you could say shave a year off because of COVID. Yeah, no, definitely. Like um, like there were some there were some things that weren't COVID related. Like I said, like um, like um, it was a really challenging two years because, like I said, like I was uh like. I, when we first started the record, COVID hits, um, a lot of the protests around like the George Floyd thing had happened. So we took a break from recording so we could go out and be a part of the protests. Um, and then I had to move, I was getting kicked out. And so I had to move to a whole new space, re- like, you know, basically tear down the whole studio and rebuild it again. And then I was getting kicked out again near the end of the record. So uh, before I moved to Philly, so that was near the end of the record. And I told the guys, I was like, look, by like this time frame, if not, uh, you're getting whatever we have once it's over. I'm not fucking tearing the shit down and delaying the shit anymore. Like it's been two years. We need to get the shit done now. <laughs> and it's funny too, knowing to skip ahead, but then we'll pull back. It's during that time frame, we recorded the last table Scarecrow's album that we yep. put out. And it was like, I remember going into it. You were in the middle of recording Loomstone. We're like, all right, so we got this album worth of material. I uh, think this is going to be released before the Looms album. Like, and it was. And it was. Yes, I will forever. I'm going to be honest. I I always, like, I always fucking love uh, rubbing that in the Looms face. Like, yeah, while I was making your, after I started your guys' record, I started and finished my own band's record before like a year before we finished yours <laughs> with the, each person probably did what a day of tracking 
if yeah that... so so hateful scarecrows for tower and crosses we did all of your drums and all of jacob's bass in one day um i did all of my guitar on my own time in one day we went over to Joe's place, did all of the guitar, violin, and vocals in another day. And then I think we had one extra day where we um, added in shit like synthesizers and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, when we had Matt, Matt John hop on. Shout out Matt John. Yeah, when we had the John hop in, he played synth on uh, Forgotten Cemetery. That was the track that he played on. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that was, what, four or five days? And um, somewhere around there. Like, yeah. obviously, time in between, but uh, it, yeah. the actual time spent recording was only four or five days. And that record was interesting because, like, I was mixing it as we were recording it. Like, so by the time we had the last recording session, most of the mixing was already done. I just had to, like, make a few changes. And I was like, oh, record's done. <laughs> it, it's crazy to think about. Two years. So 365 times two. Not going to math. Five Neither days. Well, with the time in between, it's like we could have we could have released a few more. <laughs> we probably could have, but <laughs> Lo- love you, Looms. Had to bust the balls a bit. Miss you guys. Oh no, I oh no, I bust their balls all the time. I love them <laughs> to death, but I still got to bust their balls. <laughs> oh yeah. So after doing healthy dose and everything, was when you kind of started to come into my life, Jacob's mm-hmm. life, Joe's life, and the world of hateful scarecrows. Because I remember being introduced to you outside of, what was it, our show at the Tusk, I think. Yes, yes, it, it was, was at the Tusk. Yeah, I remember you being there and Jacob's like, oh, this is Matt, this is the dude who's going to record our next album, which was, uh, what, the filing oneself. Yes. Yeah, I, I always I always mix up the names. <laughs> I know. I, anytime, I always, anytime I mention Hateful Scarecrows, I always say, yeah, our first record. Then I'm like, oh, wait, no, they were a band before I joined. There's like shit before I joined. <laughs> well, it's that one's my first record, too. The Fire Yeah, it was song. both our first record. Yeah, because of Wax and Leather, we weren't on. I did do the single of Seaweed, which. Yes, that was your jo- debut. Mine and Joe's Ooze are phenomenal i'm i will never let it let it die down because i know jacob oh, was just like cringing <laughs> hey but, um, the ooze you, you can't you cannot talk shit on the ooze and oz bro exactly essential so you came into our lives and jacob was like hey this is the dude that's going to record and you know it turned into much more than that because you started playing guitar so yeah what um as you said earlier, like it was, you know, the first band like playing out and all that, which your first show, I wasn't, it was to the drum machine. Yeah. Right? It was because I was which in, made me realize how much I hate drum machines live. Because <laughs> I was in, that was when I was in New Hampshire uh, doing a show because it was the, that was the year I hurt my knee at work and I had to cancel. So I had to go and make it up. And yeah, you had to do a Terratunes, John. Yeah. But, then we came back with a hell of a show first show together which was a blast but let's let's dive into that what was what was it like like being you know what was it like being in that project where like you know it was your first time playing out and like doing an actual like release that you're on and stuff and so i guess i'll give like a little bit of background as to how i ended up there so 
Um, I met Jacob at a show at Asbury Park Brewery. Um, it was, I think it was um, Ed the Punk. He was putting on one of his birthday shows. And I had gone to see School Drugs and Jacob went to go see Sunny Gang. Um, I actually, I think I still fucking have it. I have a sticker on my guitar case from that show that has the date. So I actually remember the exact date of that show. <laughs> it was January 4th, 2019. Holy shit. <laughs> so um, January 4th, 2019. So um, I had gone there and um, Jacob had already seen me around at a couple of shows. Um, like, I think he saw me at like a leftover crack show, uh, Dracula's ball, some shit around Philly. And he noticed, I think, like, I had, like, a rudimentary peni back patch on my jacket and, like, all these, like, death rock and crust bands and shit. So he comes up to me when I'm outside having a smoke, and he's like, hey, like, I always see you around at shows, and, like, I've never come up and said hi to you. Like, what's up? How you doing? Type of shit. <laughs> so we just start talking about, like, bands and all that shit, and he mentions that he plays in, like, you know, Hateful Scarecrows, this death rock crust punk band, plays me some shit off of um one of the last uh i think off of one of the eps that him and joe had done and i liked what i heard and he mentioned that he was about to start work on another record and he asked me uh, well he mentioned he was about to start work on another record and that he wanted and that you would just join the band and he was like yeah i never recorded live drums before and like i said fresh out of recording school i was in the middle of doing healthy dose of the looms at the time so um i offered to help record he asked, like, do you have experience recording live drums? And I did the best thing ever. I lied and said yes. <laughs> it's always the best thing to do in a situation like that. Exactly. Fake it till you make it. So, yeah. like, I, I, like, my teacher had walked me through some stuff, but I never actually, like, manned a session before. Um, like, I'd been in my teacher's studio and, like, saw how to put the mics up and everything. So I had, like, a rudimentary understanding of how it's supposed to work. So I was like, yeah, I think I can do this. Um, so originally, I was only meant to be brought on to just do recording for you guys. It's like, same thing with the looms. And um, I remember the very next fucking day, I get a text from Joe, the other guitar player in Hateful Scarecrows. I guess Jacob had told him about me. Um, like, Jacob had told him about me, I guess. And I get a text from him out of the blue. He found me on Facebook and said, so Jacob says you're going to be the new member of our band. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> uh, I guess I don't know like how that fucking happened. But so, yeah, I ended up going. I was like, I mean, if you guys want me as another member, sure. Um, so fast forward um, to the Tusk where I meet you. I meet Joe for the first time. See Hateful Scarecrows live for the first time. And um after the show, I'm talking to you guys about recording and everything. And I mentioned to Jacob, like, like Joe mentioned something about me playing on the record. Like, what's going on there? I can't remember exactly how the conversation went. It's been so long. But I think it sort of went into sort of thing like, I mean, if you want to join the band, I guess we could use another guitar player. So, but we start talking more and more about, like, planning when we're going to do the record and everything. Um, and then I think later on... Um, I was going to a show up in North Jersey with Jacob. We went and saw the first Blitzkid reunion show um, up at, I think it was up in Teaneck. And when I get there, um, Jacob comes up to me and says, all right, I talked with Nick and Joe about it. We want to, if you're down, we would like to offer you to join Hateful Scarecrow as a second guitar player. Do you want to do it? 
And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and um, he, so he's like, awesome. I'll add you to the band chat. <laughs> Meanwhile, Joe and I never heard you play us or Jacob hear you play a single note. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Like there was no audition. Like I never auditioned for anything. Um, it was literally just like, you're in the band now. We'll, you'll fucking figure it out. <laughs> well, that was, that was the funny thing. So like you saying it, I brought me back because you said it was a while ago. I'm like, it brought me back to that night. I was like, oh yeah, we were outside. and was just like, oh yeah. Yeah. I guess he's in the band now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. He's in the band, and I because I remember I met you. I'm like, ah, oh, well, he looks like he belongs in this band more than I do. So why, <laughs> who am I to say no? I'm like, I'm sure this guy can handle it. And then I heard you play. I'm like, oh yeah, totally. He's he's in. <laughs> but it was oh, like, thank you. Ah, no problem. Of course. But 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 yeah, no. So I joined up. Um, the very first show that I played with the Hateful Scarecrows is the one you weren't at. It was at the Public House, which quite an infamous venue with us yeah um <laughs> we'll play uh, there twice yeah and now if you google search that place our picture pops up <laughs> i forgot yeah that was a recent discovery we made we only found that out about like three weeks ago oh my but, god um, so the very first show that i have ever played was with april scarecrows at the public house and you weren't there it was with the drum machine and I was so fucking nervous. I had never played a show before. Um, and like I practiced, I practiced once with uh, Jacob and Joe in a drum machine at Joe's house. So I felt like I had a decent understanding of the songs, like decent enough to the point where I could fake it. Like I remember Jacob telling me, like, if you ever get lost at any point during the songs, just make a shitload of noise until you figure out where we're at. And I was like, <laughs> I can do that. Um, so I'm like nervous as shit before we go on. I'm like in the fucking parking lot of the public house, just chain smoking through a whole goddamn pack of cigarettes. Um, speaking of which, I'm going to light one now. Um, <laughs> but so I go on stage, we play. The minute we start playing, I just have this weird fucking feeling like just wash over me of like, holy shit, I'm actually doing this. This is like, because like I've been, I had wanted to play in a band for so fucking long. Like it was all that I had wanted to do. I wanted to get out there and play shows and do all that shit. And I was like, this is it. Like, holy fuck. It, I actually made it. Like I'm on stage in front of like 10 people and we're probably playing very poorly because we couldn't hear the fucking drum machine worth of shit. And I probably fucked up the song so many times that I was like, holy fuck, this is actually happening. <laughs> I fucking did it. I'm a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> but so we played the show and people thought it was all right. You know, and the funny thing is too, uh, fucking Zach, the drummer now in the Soviet was there for that show. Um, so oh, he saw my first, he saw my first ever show. I'm not sure if he actually knows that. Um, <laughs> so that, and it was funny. He actually really dug the drum machine. Zach came up to me and was like, that drum machine's cool. It gives you guys like an industrial vibe. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's weird to hear from a drummer. Yeah, I fucking love the drum machine, bro. <laughs> I mean, sometimes drum machines done right are badass. They definitely oh, do. Oh, no, definitely. They could definitely add such a feel and stuff, but it's like they can definitely suck too. It's, oh, they it's can. such he a fine line. I feel like it, a, a drum machine is best when you're actually using it. You're not using it to replace a drummer. You're using it as a drum machine. Yeah. Like you, like a lot of the industrial and noise bands, like bands like Big Black, Ministry, Skinny Puppy, 
um, bands like that who um, like they looked at this machine as uh, and thought like, I don't want to make this sound like a drummer. Like this can do so much more and can do shit that like no human can do. So let's exploit that. And I always love that idea of like treating it less like, you know, a replacement for a band member and more like an instrument unto itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely good for that. And that's definitely how Jacob utilizes it because I hear some of his stuff. I'm like, dude, what this is this is why I gotta play? Oh no, just play off like off of it. You don't gotta play that. I'm like, all right, good, because I don't have a third arm. <laughs> it's like, Cave Candle. <laughs> yeah, Cave Candle. Oh my god. Dude, that song still haunts me. <laughs> it, it still haunts me too. Uh, but, so, so yeah, that was the first fucking show that I played. That was how I ended up in Hateful Scarecrows. And then you got back from New Hampshire. And I think my second show with you guys was actually with the looms at Mill Hill basement. And that was my first show with you. Was that, I think f- that, I think so. I didn't know if it was Mill Hill or if it was a uh, public house again, it might've actually, yeah, it might've I been think it was Mill Hill. Hill. It might've been Mill yeah. Hill. Now that I think, yeah. Yeah, because um, I remember that show, um, the Looms, like, you know, they knew I just joined a band, and they're like, we want to play with you, like, you've been talking about wanting to join a band forever, we need to book a show together. So they're playing a show in Mill Hill with, like, all these other folk bands, and somehow they managed to talk us onto the bill, so you have all these, like, fucking folk punk bands, like, you got dudes playing, like, like fucking banjos and ukuleles, and there's that one band that has a fucking wash the, tub with a stick in the string. The trombone. Yeah, I think the that was uh, trombone. What was it? Uh, puppy grease. I think it was. Yes, puppy grease. Yeah, and then you have like us, like playing like this fucking death rock crust punk shit <laughs> that's like full of like guitar feedback and Jacob fucking screaming about like ghosts and wanting to commit suicide, and I'm just like, I was like, there's a good reason they put us on last. Yeah, I remember that was a good show though, from what I remember. It was. It was. But yeah. I remember like. I remember in that show, because like, obviously at that point, my only experience playing live had been with a drum machine. So I remember the moment we started playing and you were in the band, I was like, this is like, this is the shit right now. Like having like an actual drummer behind me. Also one, especially as good as yourself. Oh, shut up. Shut up. No. This is my podcast to kiss your ass. All right. No kissing the host's (laughs) ass. You already made it on, kid. Hey, hey, look, I like to reciprocate the love, okay? <laughs> Listen, you can't 69 ass kiss, all right? It's just not possible. <laughs> look, I'm, f- look, thank I'm you. flexible. I am flexible in more ways than one, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, thank you, and we'll have to try that next time we hang out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, that was the second ever show, was just like us at Mill Hill. And, you know, I think pretty much like, ap- you know, after that, we started doing, I think it was, I think we maybe had the public house show, the very infamous public house show after that. Um, Which we, we got to talk a little bit about that because there's three things I remember. Okay. Me barely making it on stage and sobering up before I had to because I was pissed drunk. Me... <laughs> Me front flipping over the drums because you and Jacob are rolling around punching each other at the end. And then me coming to and looking up, I'm like, oh, shit, homeboy's head's got blood coming out of it. 
I'm just looking at you smiling with this bloody forehead. So we we can't graze over that show. We can't, especially now that you've given those teaser trailers. <laughs> so all right. As I said, I was hammered. I I jumped over the drums. It wasn't my first time doing it, but at the end of uh at the end of the set, we close with dancing with trees. It's you know, do all the feedback nonsense, all that. I look and Joe and I are just going and Matt and Jacob's guitars are off. They took the gloves off and now they're just rolling around, just swinging at each other. And I knew it wasn't a fight because I'm like, what's going on here? It was just living in the moment, a little bromance. But then. It was just a little foreplay, a little foreplay. But then. Matt's head is just forehead blood on it and if you're listening you you saw the picture because that's one of the pictures i'm posting to promote the episode i have a picture you uh, give it a peace, <laughs> peace sign with the bloody head so yes fun fact what, that that picture was on my tinder profile for the longest time as it should be <laughs> <laughs> but so you know this is your second third show second show like as us as a full band and all that and I can't say I know what it's like to play with a drum machine and then play with a drummer, but I could imagine how just knowing the difference in sounds and like having that energy of, you know, us assholes always playing shit faster and stuff like yeah. that. And I can imagine, you know, the difference in all that. <laughs> what possessed you to do what you did that night? <laughs> all right. So I got to get some backstory for this. So. We were playing at the spot called Public House, which for anyone who hasn't heard of it, it's no longer around. It's it shut down during COVID. It was a spot in Lumberton, New Jersey. Um, it was on Route 38, right across from like the Wawa near like the Acme and everything, if anyone's familiar with the area. So we got invited to play a show by our friend Harry, who um, who plays in this band called SDFU. Um, he's a great dude. But the show was full. The show had like fucking 10 bands on it or some shit. And it was a weird bill. I felt like no offense to Harry, but I felt like the bands didn't really make much sense together. There was like, like it was all sorts of weird genres, but it wasn't like, I, I, I know Harry's probably going to end up listening to this and I don't want to shit talk him, but I just felt like the bands just didn't make sense together. I'll say that much. But so, we had fun, Harry. That's the moral. Of we the did, story. we did, so, and you know what? It was it was a fun show. So thank you, Harry, for putting us on that bill. And I know Harry fucking loved it. He wanted to book us oh, yeah. so much after that. And um, it was one of our most memorable shows too. So it's, it was the the bill uh, was wonky, but exactly. <laughs> and we knew going in it was going to be a wonky ass bill. So we said, so we thought we got to bring some backup. So we hit up the looms to hop on the bill with us. And they do. So, when you have too many bands, let's bring another band. <laughs> exactly. So we're like, let's. So we were like, we're, we don't know any of these bands, and we don't. And I feel like we're not going to get along with a lot of these bands. And we, we want to bring friends so that way we have people to hang out with. So let's get the looms to book onto the bill. Um, and we were also kind of returning the favor from them booking us at Mill Hill. Um, so we get to the venue and we're sitting around, and the sound guy turns out Harry didn't know. Like Harry booked the sound guy who brought all this extra shit, like lights, big ass speakers. And Harry didn't know when he booked him, he already had a gig booked that day. So the show had to start late. 
So, and there's like a fuck ton of bands. So we're like, fuck, we're going to be here till like one in the morning. It's going to suck. So, uh, like, we're all getting a little frustrated. Like, we're having a good time, like, hanging out with our friends and everything, but it was a little frustrating. So, when we finally go on, it's like fucking sometime at, it was probably like 11, almost midnight. And oh, yeah. obviously, you had had a few to drink. <laughs> um, and me and Jacob were just full of, like, just like kind of pissed off. So we're like, we're just going to go up there and just let out all this fucking rage. Um, you can find the whole set on YouTube. And if you watch it, we were definitely sloppy that night. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we were pretty sloppy that night. But like, we were just like not giving a fuck. Like, we just went up there and we're just like, we were like, it was less that we were playing our instruments and more like we were just like trying to pick a fight with them. Yeah. So we get to the last song of the set. And at this point, like we just like completely thrashed ourselves to death. And the last song in the set, um, for anyone listening, who's not familiar with the Hateful Scarecrow's catalog is a song called dancing with trees. Now dancing with trees, it um, near the end of the song, it gets really slow and it gradually builds up speed to a point where like, you know, Nick's like fucking like gradually getting faster and faster on the drums, throwing in all these crazy fucking fills. And every time we would always finish it, uh, finish our sets with it. And near the end of the song, it would just like turn into like a free form, like noise jam where we're not even playing notes. We're just like making sounds and shit. Like, so I'm sitting there like fucking like doing like crazy pick scrapes, punching my guitar. Jacob's doing the same thing. Joe's just ripping a random ass solo. <laughs> you're in the back, like doing 50 million drum fills, like your animal from the Muppets. And uh, near the end of the set, I'm just like, you know, not thinking clearly. I'm like, fuck it. I take off my guitar and just start bashing my fucking head into the guitar. I ended up, I actually ended up caving in one of the pickups. I broke one of the pickups and it fell into the body. I throw my guitar down. Jacob had done the same thing. He cut his hand open on his bass. And we both just kind of look at each other. And I guess like the same light bulb went off above <laughs> our heads. So we just fucking shove each other and start getting into a fist fight on stage. And then like fucking Nick, you like fucking cartwheels over his drum set, fucking accidentally kicks Joe in the head. And I think you landed on my guitar because there's actually a dent in the front of my guitar where I think where your foot landed. I, I did land on a guitar. What guitar? That was I don't probably know. mine. It was probably, it was probably mine. Next, <laughs> uh, next, time we, next time you're at one of our shows or something, I'll show you the mark. <laughs> Let um, me line my body up with them. Like, oh, it's probably laying like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and after that, after all that debauchery, Jacob just goes to the mic and says, fuck you, we're hateful scarecrows. And everyone in the audience just fucking loses their shit. <laughs> like, and I remember like, I'm like right after the set's done, I just start packing my shit up. I'm not really thinking too much of it. And fucking um, my friend Alyssa comes up and she's like, Matt, you're bleeding. I'm like, what? And I like touch my forehead and look over. I'm like, oh yeah, just look at that. A fucking Corey from the looms. He's like just standing there like jaw dropped. Like what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> Like everyone's coming up to me after the show, like going like I that's like the craziest shit I have ever fucking seen. Like Harry's going fucking nuts. Like, holy shit, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> and I remember like cause the looms had to go on after us. And I remember right before their set, Corey uh, goes up to the mic and says, So uh we're I don't know how the fuck we're supposed to follow that up. <laughs> and um one other funny thing, so 
after the show was over, we, um, me and some of the guys in the loom stayed late to help, to help Harry clean the place up. And I'm outside having a smoke with Corey. And I hear Harry just yell from inside, like, yo, no fucking way. Come in here. I go inside and he's staring up at the ceiling above the stage. And we're like, what the fuck are you looking at? He's like, look really close. You can see bloodstains. I had somehow managed to get my blood on the <laughs> ceiling of the venue. <laughs> so that was probably one of the craziest shows that I've ever played. Like, how, like I'm pretty, like, I, like, I haven't really done a whole lot in my musical career, so to speak. But I'm pretty proud to say that I've been able, I've managed to, like, get, I've managed to, you know, break my guitar and get blood on the state, get blood on the ceiling of the venue I was playing. I mean, I'm going to stop you right there because you can't discredit yourself considering, you know, that was what, 2019? We, I believe so, yeah. We, yeah, we started playing like 2019. Yeah. And like, really, like, you know, recorded that, recorded uh, the filing oneself. And everything mm-hmm. we tracked that, as we said, like in the bedroom and all that, put it out. Sounds fantastic. And I hate saying that about my own music, but when it's talking about the recording aspect and the mixing, I I don't feel too bad. <laughs> so it's and uh. especially for first time recording drums and stuff, like I you know, doing it in my bedroom, recording it and all that, it sounded great. So it's like Thank you. You know, oh, no problem. Of course. And well, I mean, it's mostly it's mostly because you know the guy behind the player is the most important part of that. So oh, obviously, oh, like, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I no, because it is. I mean, yeah. like, like, <laughs> like I can record. Like I can make your. I can make something sound pretty good, I guess. But like, the actual playing is the most important part. Like, I will always mm-hmm. take a record where the production sounds like dog shit, but if the songs are there, then I don't care how bad the production is. Well, thank you, but I guess I guess you. like you know we can get more into that if like you if you have any more recording specific questions, but um, but yeah, no, like I'm still like very happy. I'll be honest, I I listened back to defiling oneself, and for a first try at recording, like you know something that wasn't acoustic, like a full electric band, all like live instruments and everything. I think for a first try, it sounds pretty good for a first try. I definitely listened back to it and go. I've definitely gotten better, which is good. You want it like, yeah, yeah, no, you want it. Like I, every time I make a record, I try and like, I try and get better every time I do a record. I want to like consistently get better with each record that I do from a production standpoint, especially. Um, But I still look back at that record and the first Loons EP, honestly, and go, man, for like, if I may pat myself on the back, I'm like, man, you know, for a guy who like just sort of learned most of his shit off Google and YouTube, I feel like I did all right. Yeah. I mean, the, the good thing is, too, it's like you listen to those, but then, you know, you go and you listen to the second Looms release, and then you listen to Tower and Crosses, Hateful Scarecrow's second album as like a full band, and you, mm-hmm. you hear the difference in everything. And it's like, you know, those drums we recorded in Carmen's basement. Carmen, we love you and miss you, and I better That's see you co- soon. Yes, Carmen and Kev, we love you hey, guys. Carmen and Kev, yes. Thank but, you so uh, much for letting us make noise in your basement. I got so oh, fat sandwiches. Papa hungry. But um, <laughs> it's like, you know, you say 
about your you haven't done that you were saying before about oh yeah haven't done too much with music career but you got to really think of it this way hateful scarecrows and looms happened in 2019 mm-hmm. think of how much shit you've recorded physical releases and all that and think of the amount of shows you played and still doing so it's like when you look at it like that you've done more. <laughs> stop yourself nick stop yourself i'll tell you after the show you've done more than most people have who act like they've done more <laughs> i feel like i i think i know who you're referencing and i'm not gonna say it i'll let that remain between us <laughs> So but, um, it's it's but one of those when things... you put it that way. Yeah, I'm doing fucking great. <laughs> but no, if you think about it, it's, you know, you've done two loom, two looms with the single. You've done two hateful scarecrows, which they were full lengths, you know, mm-hmm. f- full lengths for a crust punk goth for, album. So yeah, for, for a punk minutes. band, you know, 15 minutes counts yeah. as a full length. But still, a decent amount of songs where everything's different, so you still got to do every song individually and do different shit. But then, you've also done two releases with the Soviet. So Mm -hmm. Actually, three. There's three? Yes, um, we did. So, uh, we can talk more about this when we get to the Soviet, but um, (laughs) uh, the first one, Lessons in Dialectics. Uh, the most recent one, Capital Can't Solve Crisis, but there was also in between the two, we released uh, two co- uh, two song covers EP. That's what it was. I, I was like, wait, there was another e- like other like thing of originals, but I forgot about the covers you did. So, yep. So we'll we'll kind of start the transition. You know, we talked about uh, like Tower and Crosses and. Uh, the mm-hmm. second release. What what was the name? I know Solidarity was the Ashes same. of the Old. Ashes of the Old. So you did those hateful scarecrows, you know, pandemic kind of. We got we got hit with the pandemic and it kind of yeah. fizzled it out and stuff. And everyone started doing their different things and stuff, mm-hmm. which I, I put it that way because after talking to Jacob, after uh, you know, talking now about I never want to say hateful scarecrows is done. My oh, bullet, no. Any, like, my bullet belt's I, not hung up for good. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I still every once in a while I get I actually do have people ask me like what's going on with Hateful Scarecrows? Are you guys gonna like you know do anything again? And I always I always just tell people Hateful Scarecrows is on an indefinite hiatus. Like I I always tell them like it's not done. Like it's not officially broken up. Um. Do, will we ever do anything again? I honestly don't know. I would love to. I, I'll say this much. I feel like with Hateful Scarecrows, I want to do at least one more show. And I would like to do at least one more record. Oh, yeah. I, I would yeah. definitely one more show to make up for the fucking piss drawer of a lot. Because we had two last shows, technically, as yes. I see it. Well, you had the... um the live stream at the college which that was when you, when you set up your instruments and here you got five minutes to play even for a punk band that's a little tough yeah yeah so that but was bef- um before that though we did have spike's birthday spike there's your second mention which that was fun as shit that was that was great show. i loved that show that and was so much fun before that though it was like you know we had like that string of shows where like we played like nail we had that 
fucking off the wall Mill Hill show and then the off the wall uh, yes. Century show. And like those, I'm like, if those were the final shows we played, okay. But I'm like, no. And even still saying that, I'm like, no, there's always more in the tank. It's, oh, no, definitely. Know, but it's like those shows, like, especially that Mill Hill show with that Mill Hill show. That was, I still, oh my God, it was a wet dream I, of a it local was, show. No, I, I still, uh, like, I still have the flyer for that show hanging Same. up on my refrigerator. Um, no, that show, like, that show to me was like, that's the type of show that I had been waiting for since I started playing shows. Like, it was so fucking fun. Because it was cool because it was such a varied bill. Like, it was us, the Looms, uh, Time Out Timmy, and the Damn Long Hairs. And it was such a diverse bill, but it was like a good diversity because all the yeah. bands were fucking amazing. Uh, I mean, Hateful Scarecrows, that's a little debatable. <laughs> um, yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah those guys suck but um but no like it was a fun fucking show the place was packed there like all of our friends were there every band yeah. fucking killed it it was just and such a great night the the place was packed and it was like everyone stayed for the whole night too and yeah, it was too and we don't see that a lot at local shows no that that show was like camaraderie at its finest for a local music scene like it was like all these different styles of punk and all that. Then you have the band from New Hampshire that it's like everyone supported the shit out of and like ball. Exactly. And, and it was like, and just, you see the pictures that Matt John took of that show. And there's some of my favorite show pictures ever because he has those crowd shots and you just see everyone just like grinning oh ear to God, ear, just dude. like smiling. And like, it's, I love those shots. Um, anytime I look at those shots, like the John in general, like all the fucking, sh all the fucking photos he took of us were great. I especially love the Mill Hill ones because, uh, especially the ones that are in like black and white. Cause like, mm -hmm. you ever look at those like old, like, like those old, like 1980s pictures of shows of like hardcore shows of like, you know, like bands like Minor Threat, Black Flag and shit, like all the crowd shots they got. They look, they remind me so much of those fucking shots, and I love yeah. those shots to death. So I'm like, holy shit, it's like I'm in those fucking photos. It's yeah. such a surreal feeling. Yeah, it's like old, like CBGB's photos and shit that you see. Exactly. Like, it's like stuff like because it's like with that venue with all the shit on the walls and stuff, it just it has that aesthetic to it. So it's like it's got that old school, like fucking dive bar punk bar vibe, and I love it to death. Oh, yeah. So it's Never say never is any yes. listening wonder about hateful scarecrows. It's especially since we almost played that piss drawer of a fucking <laughs> the, the, the fucking pay to play scam. The, 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 the we we almost got involved with a pyramid scheme and fucking music, but and we almost did it if it weren't for those meddling. We were, I, 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 I actually was, I was, I was telling a couple of our friends about that. I, t I open it with you guys were like this close to getting a hateful scarecrow's reunion. You have no idea. I mean, the thing was though, if we did that, I would have totally been like, all right, but let's do the real show now. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, and, and for anyone here who is like, you know, if anyone listening is like thinking about starting a band or anything like that, don't ever, ever, do pay to play shows do not fucking do it just don't it is not worth your time don't listen to whatever the fuck they're gonna say about how 
they're gonna like you know like give you a big break or some other bullshit like that like no that shit doesn't fucking happen it's a scam and don't fall for it you're better than that especially if they're offering you discounts on their merch and also zoom meetings to tell you how to get more exposure or or if part of like (laughs) or or if part of uh paying your way onto the show is we'll put your name on the flyer it's like yeah that's what you're supposed to do with any show you book you fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) oh shit oh yeah and by the way at this point because we hit this point of talking shit i'm just gonna say fuck crowd killing (laughs) (laughs) all right so to move on from the hateful scarecrows now you know covid hit kind of did that everything was kind of stagnant with music and you and jacob you know joe's doing the married life of joe serenkowski i'm doing the I got to fucking better myself and get my head on straight and find my love for music and shit again. Cause I lost it during COVID. You went through a metamorphosis. Yeah. I I, I became a beautiful butterfly dingus. (laughs) (laughs) You and Jacob, like you were really itching to just keep the ball rolling with music. And Jacob's always won. Jacob's, Jacob's a great cheerleader in the sense of, hey, boyo, you want to do something? Let's fucking do it. Write some shit. Come over. I'll make a vegan pizza and we'll talk about it. So, yeah. And you guys formed the Soviet, which mm-hmm. is a project you're doing now and getting a lot of good response on it, playing a shitload of shows and have, you know, two albums and then the two uh, covers, the two covers. Yeah. Of the yeah, it's been very surprising. I mean, the thing is, too, it's like even with Hateful Scarecrows, like people people ate it up. It was weird. Like, <laughs> but so the Soviet, what um, you know, Jacob talked a little backstory about you guys just saying fuck it, let's mm-hmm. do like a a D beat project and all that. What um, what's kind of like your take on the uh, like the start of it from your perspective? So um, I remember how the soviet formed um i'll try my best to like it's been a minute since i listened i listened to your episode with jacob so i'll try not to like tread familiar ground oh you're, but, you're fine even if you but, did um, a good recap for anyone who has yeah. that should go listen to jacobs after this yeah exactly this is your uh ad break to go listen to the other episode <laughs> <laughs> but um so i remember short um like <clears throat> it was in the middle of um I had just moved back to my hometown every pop punk uh band member's worst nightmare I guess um <laughs> cuz it um I was in the middle of working on Ashes of the Old by the Looms and um this was shortly after the time that we had sort of decided to put to pump the brakes on Hateful Scarecrows and everyone sort of take a break and figure their shit out so um I remember I actually remember how this happened. I was in the middle of a loom session one day. They were recording at my house and I got, uh, we were taking a smoke break and I got a call from Jacob and I'm outside hanging out with uh, Corey and I pick up the phone and Jacob had told me that about how he was in the middle of uh, wanting to go to school to become a welder. And, um, uh, he found out that the school had like the class had been canceled. And he quit his job for this shit. So mm. he was like, fuck, like, like my entire life, I just kind of fucked myself by like quitting my job. And then it, not even, I'm not going to say he fucked himself. The school fucked him by canceling the class. And it's like, dude, I already fucking like quit my job and set this shit up. What the hell? 
So he's sitting there like, what the fuck am I going to do now while I'm looking for a new job? So he calls me up and he's like, all right, bro, here's the deal. He explained what happened with his job and all that other bullshit. And he's like, and like, this is still fresh after hateful scarecrows uh, sort of going on an indefinite hiatus. And he's like, I feel like I should go out and play a show or something. And he's like, do you want to start another band? And he's like, yeah, sure. He's like, I'm thinking we should start like, um, cause he'd also been very involved. He'd started getting very involved with social culture, um, um, essay at the time, I guess. Um, and he's like, I have this idea for a band. I want to do like a Marxist DB band, like, you know, a band very much styled after all the other DB and disc bands and stuff like that. But the lyrics are specifically, um, in the world of Marxist theory and things like that. And I was like, yeah, sure, man, I'm fucking down. Cause I'd actually always wanted to do a project like that. Like I'd wanted to start another band that was like a strictly crust punk D beat band. So I'm like, you're speaking my language, bro. Um, and so, and it's funny. He's like, I already have the name for it. And he said, it's going to be called the Soviet. And I remember like the first time he told me that I was like, that is such a cool fucking name. <laughs> it is. That is like the perfect fucking name. Um, I was surprised no one had thought of it before, to be honest. Cause like you look up like all the DB bands, like anyone who's in a DB knows like the disc bands, it's like, they're a dime a fucking dozen. And I'm like, how the fuck did, how the fuck was this not taken? <laughs> so we were like, we have to take this fucking name. There's no fucking way. So we start doing that. He calls me and about, and then we were like, all right, cool. We're going to do it. Uh, we'll talk more about it later. And then we did, and then another year went by before we actually started working on it, as it usually does. <laughs> exactly. But um, about a year later, we actually seriously start writing for it. Um, me and Jacob, um, we both write on our own. Um, like the way that the Soviet songs basically form is that, um, like we like we each like know how to play like guitar and bass, and we each know how to work a drum machine. So we'll sit at home and like, you know, just write whole songs and then <coughs> like send them to each other and then figure out like which ones we're going to put on the EP or whatever. And that's basically how the records start. So for Lessons in Dialectics, we wrote a couple of songs. We picked the five that we liked and uh, Jacob wrote the lyrics for all of them. And we did all of Lessons in Dialectics in one day. This was very shortly after I moved to Philadelphia. Um, very shortly after I moved to Philly, since I was so close to Jacob, I guess he figured, all right, if we're going to do the Soviet, now's probably the best time since we're only like 20 minutes away from each other now. <laughs> so, and I, I like the space that I'm in, I'm currently sitting in my like little home studio. And by home studio, I mean like, you know, a fucking murder basement in, in Kensington. <laughs> um, so I was, I converted this basement into a home studio and we start writing the songs. We track the demos and shit for each other. And then we decide, all right, let's fucking record this shit. So he comes over one day, all the, uh, the first, the Soviet EP was all drum machine. Cause we didn't have a drummer yet. So we were, we went in with the idea of let's record a demo. Let's do like a five song EP and we'll use that to find a drummer. Um, and we felt like that was a good idea because like, we didn't want to like try and find a drummer first and be like, Oh, like, this is what we're thinking about doing. We thought let's drop an EP and get our name out there. 
<coughs> and then for a drummer, uh, if we find someone who's interested, we could just be like, bam, here's the EP, learn these songs. Um, so we did the whole EP in one day. Like I, I had all the drums ready already. I, I had programmed all the drums and Jacob came over and we just bashed out all the guitars, bass and vocals in one afternoon. And then we, um, well, like I say one day, we did all of like the bulk of the recording in one day. And then the next month or two after that, we had brought in a bunch of friends of ours um, to come in and do like the gang shouts and everything. So we would literally bring people in like, you know, once or twice a week. Like we got our friends um, like uh, Sydney, who is one of our best friends ever. She did some artwork for Hateful Scarecrows, um, the little vampire face that we did for Tower and Crosses. That was Sydney's artwork. Everyone, if you need artwork, please hit up Sid. Shout out Sid. Um, shout out Sid. Um, we also got our friend um, Juliet, who uh, also is a very great artist. Um, for anyone who's familiar with the Soviet, if you saw our show at Mill Hill recently where we played with our friends in Road Pig, the flyer for that show was designed by Juliet. She's another great artist. Shout, Shout out, Juliet. out Juliet. Also, <laughs> also hit her up. <laughs> and then we also got like just like um, my buddy Ian, that dude that I tried starting the horror punk band with when I first started learning how to play guitar. He came in and did some backups. That was really cool because it's like, damn, this has kind of come full circle. <laughs> And um, I'm pretty sure I got um, Angel, um, my partner Angel, to come in and do backup vocals. Uh, just like a bunch of our friends and shit. We were, um, we would just hit people up and everyone would be like, oh, I'm not really a singer. And I'm like, I don't fucking care, bro. This is crust punk. You just go in, <laughs> shout a couple lines into a mic and boom, you're out of there. That's the best part about um, it. Just, just exactly. shout. Exactly. So we did all of that um, and we put the EP out. And we were very surprised at the reaction to it because right after it came out, we started like people started to take notice. Like we had um, like publications doing reviews for us. Um, we even had people like hitting us up for shows like the day after the EP came out. Like I remember one of the craziest fucking things was right after the EP came out, I got a message from one of my all time favorite bands, a local New Jersey hardcore band called School Drugs. Um, and they hit me up and asked, yo, the new EP is sick. Would you want to come up to Asbury and play a show with us? And I had to turn it down because we didn't have a drummer yet. And my car was also broken down at the time. I was without a car for like two months. I was like, we have no way of making it to the show. We don't even have a drummer yet. So I'm really sorry, but we can't do it. But thank you so much for reaching out to us. That's another full circle like, thing. Because was, you met it, Jacob yeah. at the school drugs. At a school drugs at the show. Pump. Yeah. And that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it was crazy too for me because like that was a band like school drugs is like one of like the first like local bands I got into and really introduced me to a lot of like the local like New Jersey and like Philly area punk and hardcore bands. So, and it's a band that I've always very heavily admired. So for them to like, you know, look at what I'm doing and say, that's cool. It was like, it was very validating and also very great that like, you know, when someone that, you think very highly of also thinks highly of the work you're doing. It felt amazing. Oh yeah. Um, but so yeah, it, the reaction to it was crazy and we were very taken aback by it. Cause like, you know, like people like Hateful Scarecrows and all the other projects, but the reaction to the Soviet felt weird just cause it was very instantaneous almost like we weren't expecting right out of the gate. 
all of a sudden everyone would be asking us about like, when are you guys going to start playing shows like, um, and all this other stuff. So right after that, we were like, all right, there's obviously an interest here and people seem to like us for some reason. So, um, I guess we need to find a drummer, which is how we, um, uh, ended up getting Zach into the fold. <laughs> and then the rest um, is kind of hit yeah. you once he joined because then it was like all right now you got the band and let's fucking do some shows exactly um it's kind of funny how we got zach into the band so i'd known zach because um zach used to play in a metal band with um our friend Corey from the looms he used to play in a metal band called barrier brother and um zach used to play drums in that band he also played drums in this really great uh, sort of post-hardcore, like, emo-ish band called Wolves Mouth. Um, anyone who likes MCR, you'll probably really fucking like Wolves Mouth. Go check them out. Um, so, unfortunately, I ran into Zach at the Looms record release show after we had finally crossed the finish line on Ashes of the Old. And he was a little bummed because um, Wolves Mouth had just broken up. I, at least I think they're broken up. Um um and barrier brother was also in the midst of like ending so zach was a little bummed because he's like all my projects are sort of like you know kind of falling apart and it's a bit of a bummer and out and me being the guy that i am and being a bit of an opportunist uh i felt bad for zach but i'm also kind of sitting there like man that sucks so what you're saying is you're available <laughs> man that sucks that all your things you love are ending you won't pick up another <laughs> yeah exactly so um <laughs> it just seemed like the right time so we originally had someone else who had expressed interest in wanting to play with the soviet and it ended up not working out and so i told jacob because i'd already thought of zach like the first when we started the soviet and we were like we need to find a drummer he was the first fucking person that popped into my head Cause he's a killer fucking drummer. Zach is a beast. He is. He's great. so fucking he's awesome. good. Yeah. He's crazy good. So, and he, I knew that he was a cool dude. So I was like, I feel like he might be a good fit. And so I told Jacob, I told Jacob, but I was like, yo, let's hit up my boy, Zach. I feel like he might be down and he doesn't really have anything going on right now. And fucking, you know, drummers like drummers, there's like every drummer's in like five fucking bands. Like, yeah. Anytime a drummer quits, like five bands break up and 30 shows get canceled. So I remember, I remember in high school when I quit my first band, my metal band, that a dude slid into my DMs, was like, hey man, want to join my hardcore band? I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's fucking crazy like that. Like and like I always tell people if they want to learn an instrument, like learn drums, you will always have a gig. Mm -hmm. Like guitar players, dime a dozen. Bass players, good ones are hard to find. Most bass players are just demoted guitarists. Um, singing, anyone can fucking sing. Just give someone a microphone, they can figure it out. But drummers, you find a drummer, you cling to them like a fucking life raft. <laughs> so I hit up Zach, and originally we had approached him with the idea of like, Cause I wasn't like, I figured he'd be a good fit, but I wasn't sure if he would be super down for it. Cause, um, Zach had played more in like metal bands and like, you know, emo bands and stuff like that. So I wasn't really sure if like DB crust punk was his thing. I, I thought he would like get like super bored just playing DBs all day and shit. Um, so originally I approached him with the idea of, Hey, like we want to play a couple of shows. Would you be down to like, just to hop in and like, just like, just play a couple of shows with us. Like, 
And like, you know, if you like it, if you want to stick around, we can talk about it. Or if you end up not liking it, just like, you know, help us out with a couple of shows until we find someone more permanent. And he was down. Like I hit him up about it. He said, yeah, sure. He was in the middle of doing, um, they were planning. He was in the middle of working on the last Barrier Brother EP and preparing for their final show. So he was like, let me finish all of that. Get that out of the way. Once I'm done with that, I'm all yours. So once he had finished all that, we uh, started practicing, started jamming and everything. And Jacob had never met Zach before. So like, you know, like we're learning, like, you know, he's like getting introduced to Zach. And I never played in a band with Zach before um, or hung out with him much on one-on-one. So it was a cool mixture of like one, like just like auditioning a band member, but also learning like what's our chemistry like, like not even like do we play well together, but like, are we all in like a good headspace together? Like, do we get along? Do we have the same ideas behind what we want to do with the band? All that shit. And um, I'd say Zach is very different from us in that um, he seems a lot more motivated to be like, we got to like, you know, like we got to like make like social media pages. We got to like fucking like promote shit. We got to get merch ready. We got to do all this. And me and Jacob are sitting there like, Let's get past the first show first. Damn. <laughs> well, Jacob, he is a merch whore. He is a merch fiend. The moment oh, yes, he, he said is. merch, he was probably like, oh, dude, I got like five boxes ready. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I love Jacob for that. Jacob with oh, his, yeah. he's like, oh, I just got these stickers made. It's like, fuck yeah. We were, we were just talking the other night when we went to go see Skinny Puppy about how kind of underwhelmed we were with the merch for the final tour because it's all like kind of basic merch the designs are cool but it's only like basic shit like t-shirts hoodies a hat here and there and i'm like man where's all the cool shit where's like the unique <laughs> stuff like where's the action figures where's the old stage props and shit yeah. it's the final uh, tour come on man but anyway <laughs> um but yeah no zach was a good fit and we play our first show at um uh our we gotta i gotta give a shout out to our friend dan in august killed october um he runs a venue at his place called the oasis um booking a ton of shows there um we were just talking about this before we started recording yeah. dan like green just, for anyone listening yes daniel green uh plays in august killed october combat hippies mange 50 million other fucking like death metal <laughs> grind hardcore bands like just crazy good shit um so we i had learned about him because like i went to a show at his place one time and i remember when we were trying to book a show for disoviet um i was like I, we just tried booking for so long and could not get a fucking show it was it seemed like impossible and i remember one time i was uh um i was venting about it to angel my partner angel and he was just like why don't you just hit up Dan? Like we went to that show at his place one time. Maybe he'll put you guys on. So Angel ends up hitting up Dan and saying, yo, my boyfriend's band really wants to play a show and they're not having any look. Could you book him? And Dan was like, fuck yeah, I'll put him on a show. <laughs> so we booked this show at his shed and it was the first ever show, which you were at. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time that me and Jacob had played live in like close to two years now. So we were really dusting off the cobwebs um it felt like playing my first show all over again but and it's in a shed in the middle of december at night we're freezing our asses off show is so cold get, my <laughs> fingers were yeah my fingers were so fucking numb i didn't get feeling back in them until like halfway through our set 
And since it was so cold out, we couldn't keep our instruments in tune. And I didn't have a fucking like pedal tuner at the time. I was trying to use like a shitty headstock tuner that just wasn't working. So I was like, if you watch, you can find footage of that show on our Instagram. I apologize. I was so stupidly out of tune at that show. It's horrendous, but everyone loved it. We were surprised. Like a bunch of people, a bunch of our friends came out to the show. Um, like Angel brought out a bunch of their friends. It was fucking crazy. And after that, like all the show offers just kind of started pouring in, I guess. Like people started hitting us up for shows. Uh, Dan, even before we played that first show, Dan had already booked us on another show because he listened to our EP and liked us so much. Um, and since then, it's just been, you know, a steady stream of just, you know, working on playing more shows, uh, doing more recordings, stuff like that. Yeah. And you just released the, uh, the latest EP, uh, capital, capital shit. Capital can't solve crisis. I get there it right? you go. There yes, we go. I, 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 I always like when I kept saying the name, I was kept going like capitalism can't solve, but it's, you know, it's like, <laughs> same shit don't work. <laughs> but, exactly. Same shit still doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, And that, of course, is the first album with Zach on drums. So you got yes. live drums on it. Yes. Which was something that I was very excited to do again because I hadn't done a record for a while with live drums. And, um, we had um so like when after we played the first couple shows with zach we all kind of came to the conclusion like all right he's here to stay like he's in i remember so at our very first show that we played with zach i decided to carry on a little hateful scarecrows tradition that i guess was started with me in that or it actually might have been started with you um when zach first joined the band um I went out and I bought a bullet belt to give to him. Oh shit. And right. Yeah. Right before, like when he first got to the venue, cause me and Jacob had talked about it. Cause I remember Jake, you guys had done that for me when I joined hateful scarecrows, like the bullet belt that I still wear at every show was the one that you guys got me as like a welcome to the band thing. And I wanted to, to continue the tradition with Zach. So I told, I asked Jacob, like, I want to get Zach a bullet belt. I need to carry on this tradition. Uh, when should we give it to him? And he's like, when we book our first show, give it to him at the first show. So right when we booked the show, the day of the show, I went out to this shop in Delco called Rock and Roll Knife Fight. Uh, great fucking place. You should definitely go there and check out some shit. He's got a lot of awesome stuff. But I went out there, got the bullet belt. And, um, and when Zach got to the show, that was like sort of like the uh, welcome to the band gift. Thank you for choosing to ruin your life by playing in a DB <laughs> band. Here's a bullet belt for your troubles. <laughs> it's I got mine from Jacob and Joe. It was like, yeah, I think it was like when it was like official for sure. I think it was like Christmas. Jacob and I went out. Uh, we went to go to like Groovy Graveyard to go like VHS shopping or something. I think it was like a VHS fest there. And I got him a cannibal Holocaust t-shirt and he was like, here, got something for you. And he's like, it's from Joe and I, I open, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So then it was, <laughs> I was like, wow, I never thought I would own one of these. I kick my own ass. But then when like you joined and like, did, you know, I had the idea before you split your head open, but it was just like, <laughs> you know how things are. I had a separate band chat without you in it. 
Then I'm like, I remember that. All right. I'm like, all right, so homeboy needs a uh, bullet belt. I'm like, I don't know what I'm buying because I'm like, clearly I wear it with Hawaiian shirts. I don't know where to shop for this shit. So I was like, <laughs> You guys pick it out. I trust your judgment. I'm like, but we got to make this happen. And then it was like, I think it was like the Halloween party or something. I, like a Halloween yeah. party at Jacob's. We gave it to you. And it's a nice little tradition in those bands. I don't it know is, if any other bands know, does it. I don't know. Um, And I, I, it just felt right. You know, I was like, I feel like I need to carry on this tradition. And I did with Zach. And I'm very glad that I could. Um. But yeah, when we started doing Capital Can't Stop Crisis, um, it was kind of cool because uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Zach is also like me, a recording engineer. Um, and he was he's also currently working on another band right now. So after Barrier Brother broke up, um, they sort of re are reforming under a different name because what happened was basically, to cut a long story short, a lot of members left and they decided, you know, a lot of people left, a lot of new people came in. Maybe we should just completely rebrand, change the name and change up the sound a little bit and just form a new band. So he's in the middle of working on that. Uh, the band is going to be called Smith's Grove. And it's basically the successor to Barrier Brother. They're working on their first record now. But they were in the middle of recording the drums for that. So Zach already had all the fucking mics set up around oh. his kit. So we were like, fuck, this will be the perfect time to lay down the drums for Capital Can't Solve Crisis. So um and i was like word i don't gotta do i don't gotta do any of the recording work for the drums that makes my job easier <laughs> and and also it was nice because i was like and it was actually they, it's the first record i've ever worked on where i wasn't the only engineer yeah like um zach was the one who did all the recording for the drums and also um his friend jimmy butler who is the guitar player in um uh smith's grove uh, he helped set up the mic. He wasn't in the sessions or anything, but he helped set up the mics. So we were like, let's just give him a credit anyway. He deserves <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. You always got to credit everyone. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I just went, and it's funny. Uh, again, we were talking about like the difference between like how the Looms and Hateful Scarecrows recorded. It's kind of the same way because Smith's Grove started working on that record months ago and they're still working on it. I think Zach, the drums for Smith's Grove, he told me it took him. Because like the looms are a lot more meticulous. They do everything to a metronome. They like punch in everything. They want it to be very pristine. To Soviet, we're like, we're not all about that, bro. It's like we're, you're playing the songs all the way through. And if there's mistakes, fuck it. Who cares? It's crust punk. <laughs> and we did all of the drums for Capital Can't Solve Crisis in one afternoon. I just showed up. I just showed up with my guitar, plugged him into the headphones. So he had something to play along to. We didn't use a fucking click track or anything. Just jammed through it. There's one funny thing. Um, we finished up tracking and it's a funny story about making that record. So we finished up tracking all this, all the drums and we're like, yes, we're done finally. Cause we had a show that night too. So Zach had to break all his shit down oh. to bring to the show. Um, so we wanted to get this done. And right when we finished the last song, I'm packing up my gear and Zach just turns to me and says, fuck, we have to do it again. And I'm like, why? What the fuck happened? And he just turns over. He had a fan going. Uh, he had a fan on that he turned on when we were taking a break. He forgot to turn it off before we started recording. Oh, so I, we had to fucking plug all. I had to plug all my shit back in. We had to track the song again. Oh, no. <laughs> but it was it, it was so fucking funny. <sighs> 
Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. But <laughs> it was the same thing. So we did all the drums. Zach sent me all the files. Um, and then Jacob came over to my place and we did all of the bass and the guitar in one day. And then we, um, for the gang vocals, we only had two people come in. We brought Sid and Juliet back. Veterans Shout of out the Sid and Juliet. Again, <laughs> uh, veterans <laughs> of the DeSovia Crust Choir. Hit them up uh, for art. Yes, hit them up for art. Please do. Um, so we brought them back in. It was just them and me on back on the choir this time. And same thing, you know, we recorded all that, um, uh, sent it off for mastering. I also want to give a shout out to anyone who's in a band who needs their shit mastered. I would highly recommend going to Will Killingsworth at Dead Air Studios. Um, he did the mastering for Tower and Crosses for Hateful Scarecrows. Yeah. Um, and he also did, I, uh, anytime I need mastering done, I send it to him. He did, he's done almost all the Soviet stuff. I did the mastering for the covers EPs just because I just, we would just wanted to get it out of the way. Um, but he's done all the Soviet stuff. He's done, he did the last looms record and he's done a ton of great shit. He's super affordable, does great work. And he's done some really good shit. Like um, anyone who's familiar with like hardcore is probably familiar with the band gel, you know, one of the biggest hardcore bands in the world right now. Uh, he mastered their full length that just came out um so he does great work and i anyone who needs mastering done please shout out to will at dead air studios the dude is fucking awesome oh yeah but but yeah so we finished up that and we released it uh i think about a month ago now oh. so was it it's a 420 glaze it and it was yeah. uh, i mean you released it on my birthday april 1st so only like oh, yeah, a little so over two weeks, only like two weeks, a little yeah, over two I, I, weeks ago. Man, it feels longer, <laughs> right? It, but, almost and, three weeks. But yeah, yeah. But now all the shows that we have coming up are in support of that. Um. So and right now, um, we're sort of tossing around ideas of what we're gonna do next. Um, we're um we we're debating. Right now, we have a run of shows coming up that are all in Jersey. After that's done, um, we have had some people from out of state express interest in us coming out to their states to play. Um, so I don't want to like jinx myself or anything, but I'd say within the next year or so, me and Zach especially, and Jacob seems down, we definitely want to look more into actually taking the Soviet out and like trying to play further out, maybe potentially if the opportunity presents itself, take the Soviet out on tour at some point. Oh. I don't know if it's ever, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. We're still very early. We're still very early into the Soviet to even be thinking about that right now, I think. And we still need to build up more of a local following, but we think that there might be some promise there to take it further than we, than any of our bands before really. So we don't want to jinx ourselves. We don't want to try and like, you know, like we're trying to be very, be very careful and very cautious with how we plan things and just like make sure everything is planned out well. So, and other than that, also just, uh, we want to work on writing more. Um, I want to work on writing more. We have a couple of songs that um, don't have lyrics yet, but have some music written. And uh, we do, um, I don't want to put pressure on them, but uh, one band that we've become good friends with that we played with recently has expressed interest in wanting to do a split with us. Oh, um, so 
I don't want to say, like, I don't want to say the name just because, just in case it doesn't happen. And I don't want to put pressure on them. Yeah. Uh, uh, just in, just in case, but they have, <laughs> if you're listening, you know who you are. Exactly. If you're listening, you know who you are, but <laughs> they've expressed it. At, uh, cause I just saw the lead singer the other night at, um, at a show. And he said that he is very interested in doing a split with the Soviet. So we'll see where that goes. If it's, if it does happen, I would absolutely love for that to happen. Um, so we'll see where that goes, but yeah, other than that, that's basically what we've been working on with the Soviet. Um, and it's been great. I, like working with the Soviet has been great. And I think the best thing really with it, when we started the band, um, I'm not going to go too into this because I feel like Jacob talked about it a lot and he's really like the ideological backbone of the Soviet, but we formed the band with the express interest of, we are a communist like Marxist band and because like crust punk and DB is full of like a lot of anarcho punk bands and shit, like a lot of anarchist bands. And I still consider like, you know, nothing against it. A lot of those bands I still consider to be comrades of ours. I mean, the looms especially are an anarchist band and they're, and we're great friends with them, but we were like, we want to do a band that's explicitly a, a, a Marxist band. Cause we feel like this idea, uh, this ideology is not expressed enough in this genre and we want to like give it some representation and everything. So, and you know, me and Jacob are both like, are like, you know, both Marxists. Uh, Zach, I think it's Zach. I don't really know where he sits, but <laughs> he sits behind the drums. Um, exactly. <laughs> but um, he's, but like, he has no problem with the message and Zach's very left leaning. Like he's very, I would say he's very much a leftist. Like, you know, we're, He's very much in line with the ideological stance of the band in that the band, it, we stand with a lot of the same ideas that any good punk band shouldn't the idea in that we are anti-racist, we are anti-transphobes, anti-cop, all that stuff. Uh, very pro-union. That's our biggest bend really is that we are, we talk a lot about we're a very pro-union band. Like if we want to be able to fight capitalism and fight these systems that are keeping us down, then it starts with things like unionizing your workplace, um, getting to know your neighbors and stuff like that, forming solidarity with your fellow working class. That is what the Soviet is meant to represent because you can't just like sing about saying, you know, fuck capitalism, fuck cops, but, and all that other shit and not have a solution. And I feel like with the Soviet, we try and present solutions of all of these things that we live under capitalism are terrible, but here's some ideas about, how can we actually, you know, fight these things that are keeping us down? And that starts with forming unions, getting to know your neighbors, getting to forming solidarity with people like anyone, your coworkers, people in your music scene, your friends, your family, all that sort of stuff. Um, that is the idea behind what the band represents. I think it's a very good one because it's, you know, you can only uh, do that. Oh, fuck this, fuck that, fuck this, fuck that for so long. It's like, the reason we're here is because a lot of times people just did that and didn't present solutions. So it's, that's exactly. where it's like, it's, it's great that, uh, you know, trying to do it through music and also at the merch stand, Jacob always has like the, uh, the, what's called like the, the papers of like his socialist like group and all that is a part of, yeah. and he's always, he's sitting at the merch table talking about everything. So it, if you've never been to one of their shows or, you know, talk to the like guys before, like, you know, 
it's the info is all right there if you ever want to learn more about everything and you know finding proper solutions to this uh fucked up country we live in exactly. to say the least it's, exactly and that's what we're trying to do like we want to start a dialogue with people like we want to like talk with people and show them that like here are some here's like you know organizations that you can get involved with or like you know like here's a meeting that's happening about like a union that's going to be organizing or something like that like and here's the flyer for the meeting and everything you should go out to it um all sorts of stuff um there's one thing that i actually want to start doing at shows that i recently learned about is that so anyone who's a musician obviously knows Bandcamp. like it's pretty much like you know the lifeblood of a lot of how we do business as a band um oh, yeah. the staff at Bandcamp has recently started to unionize really Yes, they have. Um, if you were, if anyone is interested, just look up Bandcamp United. That is the name of the union. Um, they have like a press kit and everything that you can print out. So I want to start like printing out flyers for their union and bringing it to shows. Cause I feel like, especially like, I feel like one, any musician who's on Bandcamp should have a vested interest in this because Bandcamp like should be able to union, any workplace should be able to unionize, but especially for someone who is in a band. It should be very important that the uh, medium, like, you know, the platform through which you're dealing music, I feel like it should be unionized to make sure that they're being treated fairly. Because if they're being treated fairly, that means that you're going to be treated fairly. Oh, yeah. Because everyone deserves that right in the workplace. No matter what, no matter what your boss tells you, no matter what capitalism has tried to ingrain in your brain, everyone deserves fair treatment, no matter who you are. If you work somewhere, you deserve a living wage. You deserve to be taken care of by the company. You deserve all of those things. We all have that fundamental right as human beings. And I feel like especially with Bandcamp, that is especially important. And also, I feel like, come on, we're a band that has our music on Bandcamp and we sing about <laughs> unions and shit. How the fuck can we not support this? Exactly. Now, I'm definitely going to look into it myself because my music's on there. It's like Bandcamp is such an easy hub for like independent artists and stuff to have merch and music all in one spot and basically give you your own website in a way and make everything easy so yeah no they that if if you're uh if you're listening and you got shit on Bandcamp, look into it too because that's yes. definitely something i did i definitely think it's a good idea you bring it to shows too yes like out. please anyone who is in a band look into Bandcamp united um i like I want to start like hitting up all the other bands i know because like all like we all know people have shit on Bandcamp and just tell them like yo that platform where you make most of your money, because let's face it, none of us are making money on Spotify streams. Oh, no. Like, like they're trying to unionize, and you need to support this. Like, you have a vested interest in supporting this. Oh, yeah. So I strongly encourage everyone to look into it. Hell, yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, I don't know if you got anything else you want to touch on. If you want to start winding it down, we're, th this is a hefty one. If you made it this far... Thank you. This is a good. I, it was very free flowing, though. You and I always, I lose track of time when you and I talk, like outside of Oasis after the first show. It just shit flies by. It's, mm -hmm. it's just a great conversation. I know. It's crazy. I love it. That's why I was like, all right, I'm going to have Matt on. I'm like, this is going to be a heifer of an episode. I can't wait. <laughs> but exactly. Like, I hope it was structured enough to the point where people can follow along because I have this problem oh, yeah. where, like, um, 
if people talk to me about something that I'm interested in, I kind of have a tendency to like info dump a little bit and go on forever. <laughs> nah, you're good. I, it flowed I, to me. It flowed perfectly. I, if you're I listening, so. let us know, let us know what you think. Yes, please uh, do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, I, mean, um, I guess if there's anything else I want to add, obviously like, you know, um, support Bandcamp United. Um, if you, uh, like support any like unions in general, if you are in a work, if you are in your workplace, look into trying to unionize or look into joining a union and also just, um, the Soviet as always, we will like the, the band always stands for things like that. We always stand for, uh, people trying to unionize, um, making sure that our transgender comrades and comrades in the LGBT, uh, community, are treated fairly because if they're they are definitely like one of the most oppressed classes in like in the in this country in the world but in this country especially and i just want to make it clear that that is where the band stands and that we will always support those kinds of people because they are comrades of ours they are like you know regular working class people like us and they deserve fair treatment and okay. i guess i guess other than that like you know um you know if anyone like has any sort of um obviously like you know come out to the shows uh we have a bunch of shows coming up um i believe our next show is going to be may 7th at the oasis uh dan green's spot so come on out um and i guess if i'm plugging it i guess i don't really advertise it very much i'm really bad with it zach's a lot better with it than i am well hold on there bucko zach's not here this is you and I, and we're going to hop in the car, and we're going to go on a little ego trip, and you're going to plug this shit now. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anyone has any interest, if anyone here is in a band um, and has interest in wanting to record or uh, to record with me or have me mix stuff of yours, um, I don't really do mastering that much, but if you have like a one-off single that you just want to throw on Spotify or Bandcamp, I'll do it for you. Um, so if anyone wants to work with me, just hit me up. You can either contact me through the DeSoviet Instagram or, um, my personal Instagram, uh, which Nick has, um, it's under the name all Satan are we, which is a reference to bleach birth, uh, bleach birth, amazing band. Please check them out. Um, uh, um, I have like, I don't really have a set rate. Um, so like just hit me up and say, and we can figure it out. Um, again, I don't really advertise it very much. Um, I've kind of been focused on DeSoviet and everything right now, but if anyone wants to have their stuff recorded or mixed, mastered by me, feel free to hit me up. Or even if you have questions about recording, um, like if you are getting started with recording and you want someone to give you pointers, like, you know, I don't have the biggest catalog in the world, but I'll try and help out if I can. And, uh, I mean, that's about it. Um. Yeah, just hit me up for recording. Uh, the name of the the name of my studio is um, uh, my studio, my basement <laughs> where I record um, is called the Mousetrap. I named it that way because I own pet mice, and I wanted to, and they're my little pride and joys. So I wanted to name it in honor of them. You can actually thank Angel for the name. Angel came up with the name, so that's what I'm using. So I guess you could, you know, you know the studio is just called the Mousetrap. And when you walk in, there's a giant Rube Goldberg machine that just goes off automatically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And of course, the Soviet Hateful Scarecrows and Looms, if you want 
to hear any of uh, Matt's recordings. Everything's on all streaming platforms and, of course, on Bandcamp as well. That'll yes. it, I'll put I'll post all the links in the uh, description for the Soviet for Hateful Scarecrow. So you can take a listen and watch that Piss Joy reunion tour. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, pretty much um, all of the Loons catalog, all of the, the Soviet catalog and everything with um, dis- and everything with Hateful Scarecrow from defiling oneself up. Uh, that's all of my recording and mixing work. Um, I've also done some mixing for. Um, my friend uh, Dustin, she used to play in a band called Carmia. I did mixing on their, I think they only did one EP. I did mixing for one of the songs. And I think I did some mastering for the Barrier Brother track, Too Far Gone. And I think that's about it. Yeah, I think that's about it. That's a, Like I said, it's a small catalog, so it doesn't take too long to go through. But if anyone is interested in hearing my work, uh, that's the stuff to look for. Oh, yeah. And... As you know, I'm Nicholas Christian. You can find me at Colt underscore Sure underscore on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at Terror underscore Tunes, T-O-O-N-S underscore on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. I don't shake my booty and lip sync, but I post art and music and stuff and probably some shaking booty and lip sync. And who knows? I got to make more content. And you can find me at TerrorTunes.Bandcamp.com. Oh, it's only clowns, and it's coming. It's coming, <laughs> baby. But uh, terratunes.bandcamp.com. Um, I got custom toys on there. I got music. I have uh, culture merch and all that. A bunch of shit on there, too. So go check it out. Go check out all of Matt's stuff. And thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been a fucking blast. I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I always <laughs> love shooting the shit with you. Like you said, anytime we talk, it like anytime we talk, it just fucking you know, it time just flies by. So oh, thank yeah. you for having me on, man. It's it's an honor and it's a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, of course, bud. And it's always it's always gonna be here. So you know, gonna have to get Zach on and down the road. It's. I'm not going to turn away reoccurring guests. So when there's more stuff going on, you know, some catch up, I'd love to have you on again. And that goes for anyone that's been on too. So fuck yeah, man. Oh yeah, man. All right. Well, thank you so much again. And I'll be seeing you around. Fingers crossed. Oh yeah. <laughs> Later. Later. Find us out on this week's episode of the Cultural Podcast. Is the Soviet with their song? It was never about Jesus. Oh.